Good Monday to you. This is the Y'all Show with yours truly, General John Rawl. And yes, we are back on the air. Hope your weekend was splendid. Mine was rather non-eventful, but hopefully we've all got through it okay. And we're now soaring through the month of July. Got the holiday behind us for many of you. Today is back to work day. Enough goofing off. You had a chance to, to go play last week with the 4th of July and all the holidays that went around that. If you had them on your planner for the year, if you're fortunate enough to get vacation days. But now most of you back to the grindstone here the second week of July. Well, we're going to get into the southern news and happenings in just a second. But, of course, the big news nationally today is what's going to happen tonight with President Donald Trump announcing the new Supreme Court Justice. Who will it be? Well, tune in, and tomorrow on the Y'all Show, we'll have our southern angle on what the president does with the selection. He's kind of making a reality show out of it, but reality shows help make President Trump President Trump. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll have our full report on the Supreme Court pick on the Tuesday edition of Y'all. Internationally, we've seen what's happened in Thailand with the boys from the soccer team coming out of the cave. That's a developing story. And we're going to put a southern twist to recovery of bodies in caves or in wells. (laughs) And who else can help us with something like that? Only Jerry Short can. So in hour two, the teller of tales from Takapola himself will be on and share a story about how one time He climbed into a cistern, went down about 15 or 20 feet to save someone who fell in this cistern and brought her up, rappelled down, brought her up, and maybe not quite as heroic as what we're seeing in Thailand, but still helped save this lady. And Jerry Short's going to come on and relay what he did years ago on the Y'all Show. You don't want to miss it. It's it's got a, a bizarre twist to it. That's coming up in hour two, plus we'll look at our college sports happenings in hour two. Later this hour, from the Chattanooga Times Free Press newspaper in Chattanooga. Is there is there another Chattanooga? I mean, frankly, I shouldn't have to say Chattanooga, Tennessee, but I'll go ahead and say it. Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're going to welcome in Dave Flussner. He is the business writer for the TFP, and he's going to come on and tell us about Goings on in Chattanooga, East Tennessee, and North Georgia, where they have the carpet industry and where they have a lot of textile industries there in North Georgia. And he'll tell us all about that. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have a great conversation with Dave later this hour in our Y'all Street Business Report. Now, looking at headlines across the southeast, another tropical storm has formed, and this is formed off of the coast of North Carolina. In fact, a man has drowned as a result of rough surf from this tropical storm. This storm was named Chris, and it formed about 160 miles south of Cape Hatteras with sustained winds of 45 miles per hour and is currently stationary. In Kill Devil Hills on Saturday, a man in his mid-60s was reported missing in the rough surf, and later lifeguards spotted him and he had drowned as a result of the rough surf from this tropical storm Chris. So keep our eye out on the outer banks of North Carolina, what's going on with Chris. The third storm now we've seen in about a week 
just south of North Carolina in the Palmetto State. The governor there has vetoed $15.7 million over funding for abortion providers. Governor Henry McMaster, who just got the Republican primary win a few weeks ago, issued vetoes last week, cutting nearly $16 million from the state budget to prevent taxpayer dollars from directly or indirectly subsidizing abortion providers like Planned Parenthood. McMaster defended the budget vetoes as keeping a campaign promise. And remember, he and President Trump are very close. President Trump was in West Columbia, South Carolina, just two weeks ago, campaigning for McMaster just before the primary. To the state of Arkansas, and a 67-year-old man was killed by a lightning strike in Pope County. Strike happened around 1.30 as Al Frazier went outside his Russellville residence during a light period of rain, and he was struck by lightning as a lightning hit a nearby tree and arced and hit him. He was taken to a regional medical center where he was pronounced dead. Two people have died in lightning strikes in the natural state this year, according to the National Weather Service's North Little Rock office. Lightning also in the news in East Tennessee. This happened in Elizabethton in East Tennessee as a family was rafting in Carter County and they were struck by lightning. Now the family had minor burns after getting struck. That is great news. The four individuals, all from the same family, were, were rafting on the Watuga River when a storm approached and the family, which included a 32-year-old, a 29-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 1-year-old, had taken shelter under a tree when lightning struck them. They were part of a guided raft tour from North Carolina going down the Watauga River there in East Tennessee. But good news, looks like they're going to be okay, but a scary sight. Lots of those pop-up thunderstorms in the summertime. And as evidence there, this family thought they were doing the right thing by going and getting under a tree, and that didn't turn out too well for them. I don't know where to tell you to go. I mean, every time there's lightning within 25 miles of me, I my ears perk up, and yours should too, because it is a dangerous thing. That's why sports, oftentimes, they, they stop play if a storm is 30 miles away or, or within 30 miles, because... There's no telling when a random strike of lightning will hit and, and where it will hit. And they're doing the right thing by playing it safe. But it is a, it's a dangerous thing, as we saw the, the man there in Russellville, Arkansas, passing away as a result of a lightning strike. In Mississippi, down just north of Biloxi, a man was captured. Convicted killer Michael Pretty Boy Floyd Wilson escaped from a prison in Mississippi on Thursday, but he was captured Saturday night in St. Martin, which is just north of Biloxi. He escaped from a prison in Leakesville, which is in South Mississippi, and he was taken into custody at about 6 p.m. Saturday night. He was 47 years old. He's being returned to the South Mississippi Correctional Institution, which has been on lockdown since his escape. The inmate is serving two life sentences for two killings. Pretty boy Floyd, back in the Hooskow after being captured while on the lam. That's good news. Moving on to a story from Florida. A man and his son were going to Florida, and they were from Manhattan. Very wealthy black man from Manhattan going to Florida on vacation. And someone put a note in their hotel room at the upscale Art Ovation Hotel in Sarasota. They left a 2 by 5 post-it note reading, 
you're a N-word. That's not nice. That's not good at all. Assuming it's real. And these this man and his son from up north were like, I was stone cold for 30 to 40 seconds when I read the note. The son said, Michael Davis, who is a consultant for a financial firm. My first thought was, what do we do to deserve this? We tip well. We were beyond nice to all the staff. Fearing for their lives, Michael and his parents called the police and the front desk. The Sarasota Police Department responded, no suspects have been named. But that's not very good Southern hospitality when this black man and his son come to Florida in Sarasota and they get a note in their hotel room like this back on the 4th of July. Now also in the Sunshine State, this news coming from this is coming from Boynton Beach. As a Florida man said he was assaulted by a man in his neighborhood because he had a Make America Great Again flag in his yard showing his support for President Trump. Jeff Good said he was watching fireworks on the 4th of July from his driveway and a man in a small vehicle pulled up and they exchanged some words about President Trump and he was saying all these vile things about the president, Good told the local television station. The man allegedly asked Good to remove the flag. When he refused, Good said the man punched him in the face. Good attempted to retaliate, but he said the man began to drive away with his arm still stuck in the car. And there's a picture on social media of Good's hand all bloodied and his elbow as well. As he was punched and dragged by this driver and, and dragged by the car, who wanted him to remove his Trump flag, make America great again. He told this television station he was dragged about 30 feet. He's lucky. There's been a lot of people been killed because they've been dragged by a car. But when someone has a flag, whether you like it or not, and it's on their own personal property, it's their right to fly whatever flag they want to fly. Trump flags, rainbow flags, Confederate flags, black pride flags, whatever the flag may be, flag for a, a pro-Muslim, whatever the case may be. It's a free country. And I, I get to, I had someone stop one time when I had a house in Huntsville, Alabama. I was flying not the Confederate flag, but one of the Confederate flags. I think it was like the second national flag, if you know anything about the Civil War. Uh, people that know, know what it is. It, it was one of the national flags, but it wasn't the famous battle flag and I had someone stop and tell me to take it down and I, I, I in a polite way told them to get lost mind your own business people I mean I get offended when I see flags of college teams I don't like I, I told a guy who said something smart to me one time about a flag he was wearing a Clemson shirt I don't like Clemson I don't like them at all I never have I'm from South Carolina they're white trash Sorry, Clemson fans. I got Clemson fans all in my family, but I don't like Clemson, okay? And and this person told me something smart, and I fired right back. I said, I don't like your shirt. It offends me, and it does offend me. But guess what? It's his right to wear it. And if you go to a offense court, we're going to both be innocent. Deal with it, people. We got to grow, grow up. And when you see something you don't like, hey, deal with it. Because they have, everybody has a right to wear whatever they want to, anytime they want to. I guess you shouldn't wear like hats in church, okay? I get that. But at least from a apparel standpoint, I, I'm seeing more and more of these cases where people are wearing Trump hats in public and they get them knocked off. 
or other, you know, reverse that. We've got to understand what First Amendment rights are all about, and that includes stomaching when you can't stand something. It's their right to wear whatever. Even I can't stand. It makes no sense to me why people wear holy jeans. H O L Y, I guess. And not not from a religious standpoint. You know what I'm talking about. They wear jeans that are all cut up. I mean, I saw someone the other day that I can't even believe the jeans were still intact because they were so cut up. And I can't remember if it was a guy or girl. That shows how unimportant the person was. I was too focused on their legs. But I I I, I don't air I don't own a single pair of holy jeans. I don't intend to. If I'm gonna pay money for a pair of jeans, I want it to protect my legs, not let mosquitoes come in every crack in them, okay? All right, enough of the First Amendment. It's not First Amendment, but in the state of Alabama, a law that was passed a few years ago to protect Confederate monuments actually may come into play as officials there are trying to protect Ladd Peebles Stadium, the gigantic stadium in Mobile that has been the home of the University of South Alabama football program and the home of the Senior Bowl. And USA is trying to build a new stadium for the Jaguar football team. And as a result, that would leave Ladd Peebles irrelevant and likely to be torn down. And so there are people in Mobile that are now going to this law passed to protect Confederate monuments and are going to try to say that you can't tear Ladd Peebles down because of this law, the Alabama Memorial Preservation Act of 2017. And it could help save Ladd Peebles Stadium from the wrecking ball. More to come on this story, but yeah, this is a historic stadium. Paul Bear Bryant coached his first game for the University of Alabama at Ladd Peebles Stadium in Mobile. And now South Alabama, which can't even half fill the stadium up and shouldn't even have a football team, frankly, along with a lot of these teams in the Sun Belt Conference who came out of nowhere because they have gigantic enrollments and they just charge students more activity fees to fund a football program. They can't put 15,000 people into a stadium usually. There's a lot of FCS programs that put more people in the seats than these schools that came out of nowhere like South Alabama, which didn't exist 15 years ago. Coastal Carolina didn't exist 15 years ago. Georgia State didn't exist. These, these programs that, frankly, have no real football history whatsoever, they just have massive enrollments. And somebody said, hey, you know, why don't we start a football team? And, and they're just – they don't have the fan support. They shouldn't even be on the Division one level, the FBS level. That's my one peso's worth of opinion here. But Ladd People Stadium right now in the crosshairs of officials from the University of South Alabama as they're trying to get a new stadium down in Mobile to Texas and Arkansas for this story. And Texarkana, lovely place. If you haven't been there, you can go right down the street and see Texas on one side of the road and Arkansas on the other. Well, Arkansas, the people on that side of the border, they want to rename Hobo Jungle Park to one of the local Arkansas side of the border civic leaders, someone who's been involved in city government for a long time. They want to rename this park, and the Texas people say, no, we don't want to do that. 
So a little civil war going on there in this town for both Arkansas and Texas. And as they wanted to rename it the Ermer Dansby Pondexter Sports Complex for a black civic leader there in Texarkana, Arkansas. But Texas says, no way, Jose. So we'll find out what happens there with the possible renaming of Hobo Jungle Park. It's named that because it's right by railroad tracks where obviously a lot of hobos have hung out throughout the last century. And finally, here on today's Y'all headlines, we'll go to Atlanta where protesters have been outside a Northside Drive Waffle House protesting Waffle House for the racial problems the chain has had in recent months. And they've been protesting this for, for, for several months there as well. And it's caused some arrest at restaurants. So Northside Atlanta, where Waffle House is located in, in Atlanta, Georgia, they're, they're making a scene and, and officials from Waffle House says, look, we, we haven't done anything wrong. And if you look at most of the cases, the, the employees at least of Waffle House have been innocent. They've had some knuckleheads cause problems that have been customers, but I don't know why people are protesting at an actual Waffle House. I was in one the other day near where the awful scene where the guy killed about four people in, in just south of Nashville. And this wasn't the same Waffle House. This was another one in Murfreesboro. They had a nice tribute to the victims there at that Waffle House some 20 miles away from the gruesome Waffle House murder. So Waffle House is trying to do its best. You know, when you're open 24 hours a day like Waffle House is, there aren't too many choices for food and going to go somewhere at 3 and 4 in the morning. And oftentimes people, when they go into a place like Waffle House at that time of day, they're not quite right, if you know what I mean. So yes, they've had problems, but that's really kind of always been the case. It's not until smartphones have come out that people can capture this stuff and then turn it around and try to say it's discrimination or, or whatever the case may be. I'm not saying everybody's innocent in this, but Waffle House, I believe, is innocent, at least their employees. And God bless most of those employees. They work their fanny off. They deserve every penny they get for the, the, the kind of care and, and good service they provide to Southerners everywhere. And that wraps up your glance across the South here on a Monday. Hang on. When we come back, we'll have our Y'all Street Business Report. We're going to go to Chattanooga and bring on Dave Flussner from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Get an update on all things business in East Tennessee, North Georgia. That's up next here on Y'all with John Royal. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed.
I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to Geico. I'm as happy as a clam. Disclaimer, Geico cannot guarantee you will be, quote, as happy as a clam, unquote. The Geico legal team cannot accurately verify clams even experience the complex human emotional state known as happiness. As an invertebrate mollusk living half submerged on the ocean floor, with no arms, legs, or wireless access, what's there to be happy about? A clam's all like, oh, I'm so happy I didn't get turned into New England clam chowder today, pronounced regionally as chowder, chowder. Oh, that's so fun to say. What were we talking about again? Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It's Friday night, baby, get ready, set, go. Gonna take you to the crystal and a picture show. Well, the sky's the limit, there's no price too high. Baby, you're the apple of my eye. Got my paycheck in my pocket and some gas in the tank. Honey, your love's better than money in the bank. And we are back on the Y'all Show where we talk all things Southern with John Rawl each and every day, Monday through Friday. If you want to know what's going on south of the Mason-Dixon line, well, this is your spot to get it all, y'all. And on the Y'all Show, we are proud to have the Y'all Street Business Report where we look at what's going on across the southeast from a financial standpoint and from an industry standpoint. And today we're going to spotlight East Tennessee, North Georgia. And to help us do that, from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, we're going to bring in Dave Flussner. And Dave's going to share with us some news. Now, I want to tell you some news that came across the desk this morning in East Tennessee. This is a little north of Dave's area of Chattanooga. This is Angelico, but a a company there is going to expand and invest $3.7 million dollars and add 148 jobs in its operation of making trailers for vehicles. This is going to be for a company called BMT Manufacturing, and this is going to be in Jellico. Jellico is due north of Knoxville on the way to Lexington, Kentucky on I-75 right at the Kentucky border. So 100 jobs going into Jellico, $3.7 million investment. Could I have a round of applause, please? Good. We like new jobs, and Dave, I'm I think you're going to echo that there are new jobs being added in your part of East Tennessee as well. There are, and it's great to be with you, John. And good, great, great to be on your show. Um, you know, of course, Tennessee. You mentioned uh, a lot of the automotive industry and, and production of vehicle parts has, has grown ever since the 1980s, when you know, then Governor now Senator Lamar Alexander first recruited Nissan here, and then General Motors came down with their Saturn plan, and then of course Volkswagen just 10 years ago this month announced that they were coming to. Chattanooga returning to the North American market. They'd had some uh, venture in Pennsylvania earlier in the 80s and 70s and 80s. It hadn't worked out so well, so they decided to return to the U.S. market with production. And they, so they've had a VW plant here that's now grown to well over 3,000 employees and supporting you know thousands of other support jobs. But so there's over 95 different uh, automotive supplier companies across Tennessee. You know, automotive industry, which basically didn't exist 30 or 40 years ago, has grown to where Tennessee is now one of the five or six biggest automotive producing states in the country. Uh, much of that, of course, from, from foreign manufacturing, from Nissan and, and Volkswagen, which the trade issues now seem to bear on whether or not that could have an impact or not. But uh, Tennessee certainly benefited by, you know, uh, an influx of, of the move south for an awful lot of automotive production. 
Now, Spring Hill in Middle Tennessee was the home of Saturn. Is that plant still making cars there of some type? It, it, it makes a, it makes a, a variety of different uh, uh, plants for GM. The Saturn brand obviously went away a long time ago, but they, they uh, produce products, and, and uh, um, they're making, a, I think, an SUV and Cadillac product at this point, and, and, uh, and, and uh, they've made a variety of different products through the years and still continue to make a lot of parts. And, and uh, so, yeah, they do assembly at, 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 in Spring Hill as well. And, of course, Nissan is their, one of the largest automotive assembly plants now in the country, almost 10,000 jobs doing all the Nissan production that they do there. Is that in Spring Hill? Um, that, no, that's up, up in Smyrna, Smyrna, Tennessee, okay. which is, you know, 40 or 50 miles away. But uh, And then down here, uh, Volkswagen. But, you know, there's also a tremendous number of automotive suppliers that have come to feed into that. As, mm-hmm. you know, of course, Alabama and, and other states have had uh, influx in, in their share of investment, uh, you know, South Carolina with BMW. So all of those have attracted a tremendous amount of auto production, which is it's interesting, Chattanooga, you know, as a city historically was was a manufacturing based town. It used to bill itself as the Dynamo of Dixie, and at one point was one of the top ten cities in America for the share of workers that were employed in manufacturing. Over forty percent of the workforce once was in manufacturing back in the early '60s, and much of that in textile and apparel, um, heavy industry foundries, uh, chemical production. We had the largest TNT plant in 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 the world uh, for the supplied parts for World War II. Most of that faded away however you know textile and apparel shipped offshore and uh tnt plant shut down ironically the that uh, site though of the tnt plant the volunteer army ammunition plant which was used to defeat the germans during world war ii and uh, ultimately became the site of where volkswagen located when it was redeveloped and cleaned up and so sometimes you can take what was used in one purpose and, and, and done a lot of uh, transformation in the city in fact you know a former mayor of ours uh, ron littlefield likes to talk about us as being the most transformed city in america and while that may be a little bit of a hyperbole uh, clearly there's been a quite a change in, in chattanooga from its sort of manufacturing past moving into more of a, a, a community that celebrated a lot of its outdoor attractions, being in the mountains and the river attractions and some of the outdoor uh, biking and river rafting and caving and, and other kind of activities mm-hmm. that they promoted, uh, as well as tourism in general, um, as well as you know being a trucking center. We've got a lot of logistics here with two of the 10 biggest trucking companies, U.S. Express, Covenant, and then a lot of support industries for that. Uh, and then now with more automotive industry coming in a cleaner kind of different version of of manufacturing because that old manufacturing in in 1969 we were declared as the dirtiest city in america Ah. worst smog smog problem of any city in america at that time of course we're located in kind of a bowl in the mountains so chattanooga between that and having an awful lot of coal foundry production uh uh, heavy industry you know there were uh, the largest automotive industry uh, Foundry was here. Uh, Rockwell International had major operations, uh, and, and uh, the uh, Vesicle chem- Chemical Company, a whole lot of companies that subsequently shut down, but uh, they uh, were a source of great air pollution problems in the day. But we're actually one of the first cities to get off the non-attainment list, and in part because a lot of companies shut down, but in part because there were some efforts to try to clean up the environment by by a lot of manufacturers that did survive. So it's a much different, cleaner uh type of industrial base here as in as in most most cities certainly across most of the south not unlike birmingham i guess in the steel industry kind of turning around but we've uh and now in more recent times you know we've had a growth of sort of an innovation economy or information economy with uh the local public power company here epb the electric power board of chattanooga when they were trying to build a a 
a more sustainable and better reliant um, grid system, the so-called smart grid that would communicate better in terms of delivery of power services, began to lay fiber optic lines for that. And as a consequence of that, they decided then to get in the communications and telecommunications business, everything from cable TV to telephones, but primarily high-speed Internet. So we were the first city in anywhere in the Western Hemisphere to get sort of high-speed gigabit per second Internet service to every house and every business in the area. Now it's actually 10 gigs, 10G service. So we have some of the fastest Internet connections in the country. So that attracted a certain amount of companies attracted and and appealing to that. And and the mayor's created a 140-acre downtown innovation district to try to capitalize on that. And we don't have the kind of major research institution that, you know, maybe Silicon Valley and Boston and Austin and and major sort of high-tech cities like that have, although we do have a number of six or seven universities that have some degree of information IT services in the area. But but still, um, there's been a lot of people attracted here. Cheaper cost of living, certainly, than California. You've got the possibility of gig service and and a real supportive kind of culture. They built a business accelerators and incubators and and tried to downtown particularly nurture a sort of startup culture to get a lot of different startup innovation economy going to again part of that transformation from sort of an old line manufacturing textile town to more of a town that's embracing you know the new new economy of the 21st century we're talking with Dave Flussner of the Chattanooga Times Free Press. It's timesfreepress.com on the World Wide Web, and he is the business writer for this historic newspaper in East Tennessee. Dave, I want to ask you, of course, Chattanooga's former mayor was a guy named Bob Corker who's about to leave the U.S. Senate in uh, in Washington and come back to Chattanooga, I reckon. I don't know. Maybe he's got a job in the newspaper lined up. <laughs> We, we would certainly welcome Bob, but uh, I, I don't know that he's announced his plans yet. He's certainly had a lot of different offers, and, okay. and uh, he, he was a, a big-time developer here at one point. Uh, you know, he had a long-storied career here, built his real estate business here, and then he went on and worked in state government and then uh, actually you know, became our mayor for four years and then, then the United States Senate for 12 years. You know, He's had his disagreements, uh, although he's a pretty loyal Republican, traditional Republican. He's had his differences, I guess, with the with the president, and uh, mm-hmm. so he's decided to move on, and and, uh, and he said he would serve a couple terms, and, and he was true to his word, I guess, on that. It'd be interesting to see what he does. He's a very high-energy guy that has always been uh, hardworking, and, and I can't believe, even though he's 65, I don't think he'll be retiring as yet, but we, we I don't know exactly what, uh, he still owns a couple of properties here, but I'm sure he'll be doing much more than that. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll be too bored. Speaking of the president, of course, if you follow anything in the news, and business news especially, there's been some goings-on in the world of tariffs and a trade war possibly with China. And I saw that you on timesfreepress.com wrote a story about how Mohawk Industries there in your area had some uh, – you had a story about what they had to do in terms of flooring and, and a dispute perhaps with the folks overseas. Yeah, I mean, I think most manufacturers have, have viewed China with, you know, as a as with some mixed opinions um, at different industries, and there's certainly a division within the floor covering industry. Dalton, Georgia, which is just to the south of us here, is, a, you know, sort of the carpet capital of the world that most of the American, most, uh, over 60% of the carpet made in America, and, and, and really the headquarters of some of the biggest floor covering companies in the world are all based there. And they, they've had a little bit of a difference. Uh, floor, Mohawk Industries has taken a position that they'd like to see some import duties from China on, on not 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 on carpet which uh which is primarily still made in the US is kind of expensive to, to to ship overseas but but hardwood floors laminate hardwood 
plastics, uh, uh, LVT, luxury vinyl tile, all those growing parts of the floor covering industry. Um, many of them have been made in China. As much as a fourth of all production might now be coming in China now, the hardwood floors. And they contend that uh, some of that's being sold below cost. Now, some of the competitors, Shaw Industries and and Dixie and Bayou and other floor covering companies have taken a different approach. They don't necessarily think, of course, they have some presence in China and, and they they don't necessarily want to raise their prices overall. So there's been a dispute within the industry. To this point, there's been no import duties. It's just simply Mohawk uh, requesting that. But but trade is trade's a big issue in, in our region, as I'm sure it is in much of the country, uh, particularly in Tennessee. We've had a, an awful lot of, uh, um, as I say, foreign direct investment led the country at one point in terms of the share of of foreign investment that came in comes into the United into Tennessee, and and there's some concern whether that could be impacted with this. Certainly, we have a number, you know, 33 billion dollars out of our state of exports around the world from farming products. You know, higher soybean limits in some states. Um, one one product that's not very far from here, uh, made up in Lynchburg, Tennessee, Jack Daniels uh, whiskey is is now subject to these uh, 25% import quotas from China and from Europe as well in retaliation. So uh, Jack Daniels sells a majority of its product now worldwide. And so it's become, you know, a well-known brand that uh, could be quite affected by by these import quotas. So there's concern about, uh, you know, some of these China and others have sort of targeted in some ways the to try for perhaps political gain, some might argue, to, to impose penalties on, you know, since the their parent company, Brown Furman's based in Kentucky, and Mitch McConnell, the majority leader's there, and they've done some things with Harley Davidson, you know, and and and, and the industries there, or farming up in Wisconsin, where Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, is. So, you know, there are these arguably targeted uh, trade barriers to try to cause, uh, you know, some political angst, perhaps, over the question of that. But here in Tennessee, there's a number of companies that they could be feeling that, as well as obviously steel and aluminum imports. You know, any, anyone, we produce a lot of appliances and automobiles and all of those are subject to, uh, you know, higher, in uh, quote, prices uh, from some of those raw materials that go into those products. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, that said, there are companies, obviously, like Mohawk, who feel like, um, you know, China has been unfair, and uh, even Bob Corker, as you mentioned earlier, he's been a real critic that China has probably stolen intellectual properties and tried to take advantage of an awful lot of American companies in terms of who've tried to invest there or expand in there. They'll take their products and duplicate them, or 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 steal their their intellectual property, or 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 and they say compete in unfair ways. So, and there is some in Bob Corker and other people's views legitimacy to that claim, but. The broad-based sort of sweeping import quotas of 25% have, have taken a fairly broad brush to that and, and may cause you know some companies here to be hurt a little bit. On the other hand, there obviously are companies that uh, would benefit because they'll have a little less competition. They'll be able to um, – they might be encouraged more to invest in the United States versus other countries if they're going to try to sell in this market. So very interesting to see how that's going to play out. I, I, I think there's a lot of concerns about it among the traditional Republican business-oriented people, a little bit different than, you know, we've got a different kind of president now, and it's interesting to see how that plays out. Politically, though, he still remains, uh, Donald Trump's still very, very popular in, in Tennessee, particularly among Republicans, so I don't think you're going to see a lot of Republican leaders uh, speak out against the president. When, when Bob Corker did here, he he did so in, in you know, somewhat as political peril, I think, and, and decided ultimately not to run for re-election, so... Donald Trump still remains popular. We'll see how the trade issue bears out.
Great stuff here with Dave from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I'll tell you what, we are going to take a little break here on the program. I sound like Montel Williams every time I say that. But we'll come right back and continue our discussion of all things business in Chattanooga, East Tennessee, North Georgia, and all the industries that are involved with that. And we're going to have some fun coming up. We're going to talk about some iconic brands from the Lookout City. So stay with us as the Y'all Show continues. Most people just hear an engine. We hear a 6.2-liter Hemi V8 with a supercharger that accelerates so fast, it'll suck the air out of your lungs and knock you back in your seat like you're an astronaut in a rocket ship hurtling through the stratosphere. But then again, we're not most people. We're the Brotherhood of Muscle. Dodge. Domestic. Not domesticated. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Hi, Tom Bodette, coming to you from one of those open offices. They're designed to make it easier to share ideas and, apparently, the details of Cody the intern's love life. So if you're looking for some space to call your own, try Motel 6. They have the low prices you've come to expect, plus the peace and quiet you so desperately crave. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. And Cody, you can do better. Book online at motel6.com. Back into y'all, the show all about y'all with John Rawl. And we're visiting today, talking some y'all street business report with Dave Flussner. He's our special guest, and he's with the Chattanooga Times Free Press newspaper. Timesfreepress.com is the website. And check it out with all the news going on in Chattanooga and throughout the volunteer state, as well as North Georgia. You can find it all right at timesfreepress.com. And you can find us anywhere you want to by checking us out on Twitter at y'all show at Y a L L S H O W and our number 803-816-1170. We're talking business with Dave Flussner of the Chattanooga times free press, getting his perspective on all things, East Tennessee business, North Georgia business. And Dave, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm still kind of uh, blown away that you're telling me that a lot of Jack Daniels whiskey is being sold overseas. I don't know how that's possible. Of course, remember Moore County, where Lynchburg, Tennessee is located, is a dry county. How can that be? Oh, yeah. well, it's one of the great ironies of of, of the of Tennessee and and um, and the South, I guess. Uh, yeah, you you know you can go and watch this, as I have done many times, watch Jack Daniels uh, be distilled there at the great uh, place that, over there in Lynchburg, historic kind of place that they've created this. Uh, historic little town that, uh, that that's built so much on Jack Daniels but in that town Moore County it's still a dry county so that you can't you cannot have a drink of Jack Daniels at, and now you can buy the bottle obviously you can but but in terms of consumption on premises you can't so now they have set it up so so they give you a little lemonade after after the tour ah. which is probably good but uh, and and you can on special tours they there's they're very close to another county where they they drive you over and they might let you sample the product there but um, yeah, Moore County, where where 
the one of the more famous uh, whiskey brands of America's made is still a dry county in terms of on, on premise consumption of, of uh, alcohol of a mix of, of distilled drinks. So, um, but it, Jack Daniels is, is a very popular brand around the world. You know, I took a trip to Germany a few years ago, and they were all. When I found out it was from Tennessee, the first thing I want to know is about <laughs> Jack Daniels. You know, so oh, not of, not Elvis, one of, the, one of the southern icons that they know of. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of icons, before we get out of here, I've got to ask you about two of Chattanooga's business icons. But right now, let me ask you a little bit more of a uh, uh, relevant question to the entire region because. We all, it's summertime, we've got power bills to pay, and you recently had an article about fuel cost and TVA. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, the Tennessee Valley Authority, although it's it's headquartered in Knoxville, their power headquarters here in Chattanooga, so so we cover that a lot. And, and TVA's had the benefit, obviously, and now 85 years old, going back to the New Deal, 1933, and still gets about 10% of its power from the, the dams that were created to harness the power and the create navigation and, and do the use of the Tennessee River, which primarily it was started because of flood control that existed at that time. And they brought, you know, Chattanooga would just many times downtown Chattanooga would flood in springtime when, when the rains would be heavy. But they took that sort of liability and turned it into this asset that produced quite a lot of cheap power. And TVA through the years has had, uh, you know, they've added more coal power and nuclear power and they got a little little ambitious with nuclear. They tried to do 17 nuclear reactors at one point. Uh, they only finished uh, seven of those, so they, they had a big investment in that. But but TVA's had traditionally lower-cost power here, for, which has helped some of the manufacturing base as well. But, but um, you know, so they benefited uh, as they switched to natural natural gas has actually come down in price and they've gotten with more rain they've been able to get more power so so power costs are actually a little cheaper right now than they were a year ago even oh. though gasoline prices are going up we're ironically seeing a little bit cheaper electricity but but tva has been a big player in this region obviously historically for creating not only recreational opportunities in the lake but you know cheap power and uh, flood control and, and and they've been an economic development force that's worked a lot to, to develop the region i think some of the manufacturing strength here is because we've had historically a bit cheaper power because we've had this benefit of having the the, the free fuel of Mother Nature to fuel our uh, hydroelectric power dams that, that have provided some, some cheaper power than in many areas of the country. So that that TVA has been a big part of, part of what we have. Our unemployment right now in, in the metro Chattanooga area is about 3.1%. So it's it's fairly low. It's it's, it's It reached an 18-year low earlier this year. So like much of the country, we're, we're seeing much lower unemployment and for many employers now the, the biggest challenge is really finding enough workers and while Chattanooga is doing very well I think in, in many ways had faster job growth and is showing the benefits of a diversified economy I think one of the challenges is obviously to maintain and to, to have adequately trained workforce for the future so I think uh, schooling and training and education is, is a real challenge for this area as it is for most communities and as the unemployment gets lower and that pool of available workers gets tighter uh, you know employers are digging deeper into that and having sometimes trouble finding workers to fill all the jobs truck driving as I said we're a big logistics center we got two of the ten biggest trucking yeah, companies I saw where here. you wrote something and, about co covenant transportation right covenant you know US Express just went public covenants uh, doing very well um, but they're really having trouble getting enough truck drivers. Wow. It's a tough job, you know, particularly long-haul trucking where you're on the road and off of many days. But there's a real shortage of that kind of job. These are jobs that, you know, you can make fifty to $100,000 a year um, without, you know, a tremendous amount of training or education. Um, you know, it's it's a tough job, though, but and not always appealing to everybody. And But, you know, there, there are a lot of those kind of 
um, technology, voc- vocational education skills, and electricians, and and uh, um, uh, mechatronics, and other kind of factory-related jobs that there's a tremendous amount of job demand for, as well as obviously the, you know the more skilled uh, medical fields and the like. So I think this community, like many, is challenged with how to make sure that we're training for the new jobs of the future. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob Corker, if you're listening, Covenant Transportation, they're needing drivers. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave, as we wrap up here with you, I want to ask you about two icon, iconic brands that have come from Chattanooga that Chattanooga has so much to offer. If you haven't been to Chattanooga as a tourist, as I have in the last two years, please go there. It is a really awesome experience so much to see and do and and it uh, is really a gem in the south always has been but a a great place and it's so easy to get to as well so go to chattanooga and enjoy a couple of days and and spend a lot of money while you're there but two things chattanooga is known for that i've got to get your take on real quick before we say adieu to you dave look out moon pies and a company that was started in Chattanooga in 1932, but they moved their corporate headquarters a few years ago, Crystal Hamburgers. Tell me about Moon Pies and Crystal. <laughs> well, Moon Pies actually were, you know, this was uh, Chattanooga Bakery that continues to be here. They continue to make this sort of marshmallow treat that, uh, as the story goes, and back in well, 100 years ago, you know, they're now a little over 100 years ago, the some of the factory workers were interested at that time when they're working very hard, wanted this sort of high caloric, something that would really get them through the day at a very cheap price. So they, uh, something we probably don't need so much of in today's work job, workplace, but, uh, at the time they working hard in the farm and everything, they were looking for something to give them a lot, a lot of energy and a lot of, uh, calories that they could consume at a fairly low price. So they, they created the moon pie in, in, in 1916, I think it was. And, and, uh, and from that, uh, Chattanooga Bakery has grown. It's one of the great icons in, in, of uh, of the South. We also we also are the home of Little Debbie. Actually, Chattanooga uh, Chattanooga's home of McKee Foods, which is now a billion dollar um, snack cake maker. So Little Debbie snacks are also made here. So we have a number of sort of high sugar treats that. Uh, That's that it, Dave. I'm for. moving to Chattanooga. <laughs> you, you, you've convinced me. <laughs> and of course, Crystal, another, another one that. Uh, may not always meet all the health conscious diets, but a great, great food that was started here in 1932. Actually, as the story goes, I think White Castle up in the north may have been sort of the original fast food chain, but, but um, Crystal, sort of the southern version, the small square hamburgers here, started in 1932 in the midst of the Depression and, and stayed sort of in the south and has grown to almost 400 restaurants. They moved to Atlanta uh, four or five years ago and when they were bought out by Archon Capital, uh, an investment company there. But through most of their history, they were based here in Chattanooga, and they still have a real strong presence. Uh, you can't go across the south, of course, without knowing about uh, Crystal. And, and they're finding, uh, though they had some struggle a little bit, they're finding actually a lot of success now with some of their late-night 24-hour business that they do. So uh, Crystal, Crystal Remains is a sort of another icon that we that uh, has come out of Chattanooga. So... Yeah, I was having a conversation with my brother a few months ago, and he had never been to a crystal, and he lives in the south. And I'm like, how can that be possible? Of course, (laughs) if you know anything about crystal's footprint, they are in most of the south, but they are not in some some areas of the south, like uh, in parts of North and South Carolina. I don't think they're in Virginia very much. They're hardly in Mississippi. So they they are not everywhere. 
that that's true. And they actually went into Texas a few years ago, and it actually didn't work out. So they pulled out of Texas, and they they had some plans to try to to expand within their footprint. So they uh, they they're not all they're not at all throughout the entire South. Maybe in Mississippi, they're not as big as they are in this part of the country. But uh, um, but they they have. Uh, you know, if you haven't tried a crystal, it's certainly an experience that's uh, well worth uh, well worth having. <laughs> All right, well, you Dave, really lived in the South. You had a crystal. Uh, amen, amen. I can't. And, and, a moon and they, famously, when Ronald Reagan when Ronald Reagan came here in 1980, 19, late 1980s, he came in and they made sure that when he returned on the, on his trip back on Air Force One, he had a bag full of crystals that he ate. So, wow. And to think, one at one time, Chattanooga was known as really more famously for railroads and the. The uh, Chattanooga Choo Choo, but now they're for moon pies and and crystal hamburgers and such. So hey, go 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 Chattanooga, go! <laughs> Dave, thank you very much for your great insight and uh, for getting us all hungry here on a Monday. Well, thanks, John. Great to be with you. All right, take care. Thank you very much again from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. That was Dave Flussner here on the y'all show well that'll put a wrap to hour one of today's program when we come back at hour two stay with us we're going to have an update on all that happened this past weekend in sports across the south including some news on the georgia football program the quarterback he hurt his arm the other day and we'll have a report and it's not the world's worst news if you're a dogs fan so that's coming up plus we'll have jerry short stopping by with short stories as the y'all show rolls on on a Monday. Let's go get a moon pie, y'all. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. two of the y'all show on a monday hello welcome back into the all south show with your gracious host john rawl 803-816-1170 is how you can become a part of this show by texting us 803-816-1170 that's also a number you can let your fingers do the walking and give us a call we want to hear from you here on the y'all show we've got short stories with jerry short coming up around the corner you don't want to miss it as he'll have his unique perspective on Southern life, the teller of tall tales from Takapola, Jerry Short, coming up after this segment here. And then this segment here, we're going to rewind the sports from this past weekend, let you know what all happened so that if you happen to be taking a nice long nap over the weekend, we've got it all covered right here for you. First off, news from the Georgia football program. Last week, Jake Fromm, the heralded quarterback that led this team to the national championship game and an SEC championship in his first year in Athens. Well, last week, Fromm was injured. He, he had a small fracture in his non-throwing left hand after he injured it at Lake Burton, which is in extreme northeast Georgia. He was away from Athens, got into a freak boating accident, 
and broke his non-throwing left hand. And we now know that he is not going to be sidelined at all, according to Kirby Smart. Smart termed the injury as insignificant and said that Fromm's already resumed throwing. So good news for Georgia Bulldog fans in what looked like could be a very bad situation last week. We now know Jake Fromm, his left hand, messed up, but that's not his throwing hand. So all systems go for the Georgia Bulldog signal caller. He was up at Lake Burton. If you don't know about this lake, it's up in the mountains of northeast Georgia along the South Carolina-North Carolina border. Beautiful spot. In fact, you have to wonder what was he doing on the lake because at one time, and I think he still has, Nick Saban of Alabama fame has a boat or a lake house there at Lake Burton, and Clemson head football coach Dabo Sweeney also with a lake house at Lake Burton. You have to wonder if Kirby Smart also has a home there on Lake Burton. Very rural part of northeast Georgia, not far from Clayton, Georgia. And while I'm thinking of Clayton, Georgia, the last time I was there, i got to give a shout-out. We're going to have Matt Hermans on tomorrow, the bodacious barbecue boy. But there is an incredible barbecue restaurant, the Wicked Pig in downtown Clayton, Georgia. They have seven sauces available for you, which includes various ketchup forms. They've got a mustard-based sauce. They've got a vinegar sauce from North Carolina. They have the Alabama white sauce, and I don't even know the rest of them. Seven sauces, awesome barbecue place, Clayton, Georgia. I wonder if Jake Fromm had some cue while he was in the neighborhood. Luckily, his hand's okay. Big 12 news. A former Baylor University's athletic director claims that the school used black football players as scapegoats to cover up a school-wide sexual assault scandal are bizarre and, quote, blatantly false, according to Baylor University officials. The school responded in court filings last week to allegations levied by Ian McCall during a recent deposition in a lawsuit against the school. All this according to the Waco Tribune-Herald newspaper. The lawsuit was originally filed two years ago by 10 women who alleged Baylor mishandled their sexual assault allegations. Baylor, this ugly chapter of their athletic history continues, but the university is responding to what Ian McCall had to say recently in a deposition. Sad news from University of Kentucky basketball history. Frank Ramsey, an All-American at UK in the early 50s and went on to be an All-Star and a, a Hall of Fame member of the Boston Celtics Hall of Fame, had seven championships there with the Celtics. He died Sunday in Madisonville, Kentucky, just outside of Lexington. Ramsey was 86 years old. He was part of the 1951 University of Kentucky National Championship team and was a three-time All-American for the Big Blue. The school said that Ramsey died of natural causes and, again, had a long time there in the Boston Celtics franchise and helped them win several world titles back in the 50s, early 60s. An Arizona couple, Ron Bell and Jennifer Penley, accused Georgia Tech head basketball coach and former Memphis head man Josh Pastner of sexually assaulting Penley. And according to what just came out in a recorded jailhouse conversation, they may have fabricated the allegations. At least that's according to the court filing by Pastner's attorney on Friday. In January, Pastner filed a civil suit against former friend Bell and his girlfriend Penley in Superior Court in Pima County, Arizona, saying that the two tried to extort and blackmail him by threatening to release false allegations about him to the media, Georgia Tech, and to the NCAA. Pastner played college basketball for the Arizona Wildcats, helping them to a national title some 20 years ago. Josh Pastner, now at Georgia Tech, and in a 
rather messy court situation in the sunshine no the land of the sunset what whatever arizona i should know that sorry i'll get up on my arizona the sunset state <laughs> that's not it grand canyon state i know is their official name okay so at least give me that major league baseball notes from the weekend it was a rough go if you like the cardinals the cardinals fell in their game on sunday to the san francisco giants 13 to 8 and the Cardinals keep slipping back in the NL Central standings. The Braves, my goodness, they didn't show up for work hardly at all in Milwaukee as the Brew Crew took three of four from the Bravos. Sunday, the Brewers won 10 to three. Also in Southern baseball action, the Marlins won on Sunday against the Washington Nationals 10 to two, and the Tampa Bay Rays blanked the New York Mets in interleague play nine to nothing. That game played at Shea Stadium. Major League Baseball standings right now. The Red Sox continue to lead the AL East with a narrow lead over the Yankees. Indians out in front of the AL Central. The Astros strengthen their lead in the AL West. They're up three and a half games over the Mariners. Good news there for the the city known as Houston, Texas, and their defending World Series champion, Houston Astros. Phillies have now knotted it up with the Bravos as the Braves again fell this past weekend in three or four games. So the Phillies and Braves are ahead of the NL East, NL Central, the Brewers, because of their great series win over Atlanta. They continue to eke out a series lead over the Chicago Cubs. And in the NL West, the Diamondbacks and Dodgers are fighting it out for the lead in that division. Speaking of the Atlanta Braves, the Tomahawkers are going to have Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis on the All-Star team starting lineup. The All-Star game is next Tuesday in Washington, D.C. Congratulations to the Cobb County native Markakis. This is his first time being selected to the All-Star game, and he is 34 years old. Way to go, Markakis. At Braves are, along with the Cubs and Red Sox, the only teams in Major League Baseball to have two starters on the All-Star team lineup. And finally, as we get ready to go to break, got to share with you the latest from golf as this past weekend in a southern state in West Virginia at White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. The military tribute at the Greenbrier was held, and Kevin Na had a five-stroke commanding win, 19 under par score, edging out Kraft and Brant Snedeker of Vanderbilt fame. Snedeker was tied for third in this golfing match there in West Virginia. So good job by Kevin Na getting the win this past weekend in PGA action. We'll go to break. When we come back, Jerry Short of Short Stories fame will be on to tell us what he's got up his very short sleeve here as the Y'all Show continues on a Monday. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And
And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I'm as happy as a clam. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will be, quote, as happy as a clam, unquote. The GEICO legal team cannot accurately verify clams even experience the complex human emotional state known as happiness. As an invertebrate mollusk living half-submerged on the ocean floor, with no arms, legs, or wireless access, what's there to be happy about? A clam's all like, oh, I'm so happy I didn't get turned into New England clam chowder today, pronounced regionally as chowder, chowder. Oh, that's so fun to say. What were we talking about again? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The Y'all Show on a Monday continues. Welcome back. This is John Rawl, and on this program we talk news, opinion, music, sports, books, cooking, and we throw in some Southern culture into the mix. We put it all into a big old pot of jambalaya, and we have what we call the Y'all Show. And our number here on the Y'all Show, 803-816-1170, and on Twitter, at Y'all Show. As part of the Southern culture, we like to we like to share stories, most of which could be true. And when you start talking about storytelling, well, you got to go to Takapola, and that's where we find the teller of tales from Takapola, Jerry Short, and his short stories feature. And we've got Mr. Short back with us here this week. Hello, Jerry. Well, John, how's it going? A uh, lot of lot of stories going on around the world. It. Uh... Yeah, how about that? It's hard thing to relate to Thailand uh, this past weekend with that cave. Uh, something tells me you can relate to the recovery of kids in a cave. Uh, you know, I don't know so much about kids, but uh, if you think back about uh, being trapped like those poor twelve are, or I think they've got some out, but uh, that's almost an impossibility what they have and. I ran across an incident similar to that in a small Mississippi town. It's the only thing that uh, it even comes close, and it's not it's not that close. I hate to compare it, but it's a town in uh, between uh, Grenada, Mississippi, and Greenwood, Mississippi, called Carrollton. And Carrollton, Mississippi, would really be the fictional town of uh, Jefferson if William Faulkner had visited there. It's almost if you read Faulkner, you're reading. Carrollton, Mississippi. As a matter of fact, one of Faulkner's books uh, was turned into a movie there starring Steve McQueen, uh, The Reavers. They filmed it in Carrollton. 
which it was almost the uh, North Mississippi uh, Hollywood uh, of North Mississippi. I think four or five movies have been filmed there. And uh, I've actually stuck my nose around a few of them, but this has nothing to do with that. One day uh, I uh, had left Grenada and I was going to a place that I was kind of an overseer on the side when I was working for a uh, uh, timber company. I was overseer on the side of a plantation that a guy had um, south of Carrollton. And as I come through Carrollton in my Jeep, I had to top down and, uh, you know, it was a pretty Saturday day and I was going down there and people just all of a sudden in front of me by the courthouse and a house by the courthouse, they was having a flea market that most, some of the older houses were selling stuff in the yards and people were running down the street and screaming and somebody just ran up to my Jeep and stopped me and wanted me to come up to the yard and help get a lady that had, uh, had fell through an old cistern that they used to build. Oh gosh, I guess they started eight. That town was formed, founded about 1830. So it was probably that old. And it was about a diameter of 10 feet. And, but the problem was it was about, uh, 18, 20 feet deep and it was bricked inside. And when I got up there, they had, they had covered it with, um, They'd covered it with boards, and the boards were rotten. <clears throat> and this woman had uh, stepped on one of those boards, and it caved in, and she fell. She fell through, and she was laying in the bottom in about a foot and a half of water, and some bricks. And her head had hit the bricks, and she was unconscious. She was, she was knocked out. <clears throat> and they were screaming, and nobody could come up with a ladder. They had about a twelve foot ladder, and they had tried to hold it down in there, and so nobody could get in there. <clears throat> so I told them, I said, let me run down to the hardware store immediately. And I went down there and they didn't have a, a but a 16 foot ladder. So I said, give me all the rope I can get. So I got some mule plow rope and uh, I carried it, uh, loaded my Jeep down with it and carried it up there and kind of parked to the side of the place and come around around there and looked down in there. She was, she looked like she was starting to move just a little bit and, and I was telling the people, we just calm down. I believe, I believe everything's going to be okay. We just got to get her out. And they, well, you can't get out. And they were screaming and just, oh, you have never seen such a uh, situation the way all these older women were doing. They were just running crazy all over, all over the downtown area and hollering. They'd call the, they'd call for an ambulance from Greenwood, which was about 25 miles. And WABG TV was on the way. They said so. I wanted to <clears throat> extract the lady as quick as possible and get out of the limelight <laughs> if at all possible. So I'd made a, I made a Swiss seat and, uh, anybody used has ever done any repelling, uh, would be familiar with that. That's, you know, they make them, you can buy them, but if you don't have them, you can make them with a rope and they go between the inside of your legs around your waist, but you got to have a C clamp. And I happened to have a C-clamp in my Jeep that I used to double twist the rope through after I made the Swiss seat. So I, I uh, tied off to a tree and I repelled down into the hole. But when I got down into the hole, she was just, you know, she was not really conscious of what was going on. And I was talking to her and, 
and I, I could tell she, you know, she was coming around, but she wasn't there yet. So I, the only way to get her out, I got her up and I leaned her across my body, but I couldn't, I couldn't repel up. I couldn't get the rope right. And I was hollering up to the top for somebody, if anybody up there to give me a little help and try to pull and, uh, couldn't get any help. So I finally got the two ropes right and I put her on my shoulders. I laid her across my shoulder and I put her on my, on my back of my neck. I didn't have a shirt on that day because <laughs> it was a summertime day and, and, uh, <clears throat> and I was a little bit younger, you know, so I didn't mind riding in my Jeep without now, a shirt. Let, let so. me, let me pause you just a second, Jerry. We're talking with Jerry Short, our short stories, and this is a true story, by the way. You can go back in the archives of Carrollton, Mississippi, and prove this happened around, what, 1980-ish? Uh, I'd say 79 or 80. Okay. Mm -hmm. But one reason you did this is because at that time you were part of the Special Forces in the National Guard, correct? Yeah, I was belonged to a Special Forces unit then, uh, and the 20th Special Forces group. And, okay. Uh, and we had been doing some repelling and so i had that sea clamp you know and you can you can take when you repel out of a helicopter or whatever you might might repel out over down a mountain or just out in the open off or something you know that dang sea clamp will get it'll get red glowing hot if you turn it loose where you're really flying you know usually helicopter you don't do but about 100 feet so anyway i was i was a little familiar with it i wasn't wasn't the greatest repeller in the world but i was enough to get by and uh <clears throat> so as uh, i got her coming up and we got high enough and i almost lost it and but i got a grip again and we got her right there where they was able to pull her on out and they pulled her out and laid her down and the ambulance came about the time i i cleared the hole well i i knew the people at the hardware store so i just left their rope there and i i kind of uh, cut a trail between the uh, between the between the courthouse and that house is there was a house next to the courthouse. It was one of those old pre Civil War dated homes, and uh, I got in my jeep and and I left town. But uh, uh, the news person, and I don't know if if she was there then or not, but you may be familiar with Hoda Cogby. Yes, from NBC's uh, Today Show. Yeah, she started in Greenwood. Really, Greenwood, and, uh, Mississippi. Yeah, she started there. It might have been a year before she started because she came to my house to do an interview for a Miss Teen USA that was a friend with my daughter mm -hmm. in 87. So I don't think Hoda was there then, but Hoda was, she worked at that radio station. And TV station. And, I mean, TV station. That was her first job and uh, her first uh, paying job, I think, you know. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, Ole Miss football, uh, Stan Sandronia was the manager then, and he hired her, as a matter of fact, uh, gave her her first job. And she brought and him I, to New York years you, later. She brought him, that's right, you're right. You're, to, to thank him for giving her her uh, first gig. And unfortunately, then, uh, Stan Sandronia, a friend of both yours, and I knew him as well, he passed away about five years ago. I know we lost Stan. He just he had a heart attack, and that was it. But for a long time, and, uh, he was the guy on the sidelines. So he was the, a sideline reporter. For Rebel and, Football. Uh, you were trying to dodge but, Hoda or whoever I, the Hoda copy. I'm, I'm trying to dodge the punchline. <laughs> okay. But I guess you can only dodge it so long, huh? And 
So I, I think I may have mentioned one time before working in the woods all the time that, um, um, my wife would check me for ticks. Well, you, let's let's not forget you came up out of the cistern with this lady. You saved her life. We'll go ahead and say it. I don't know how yeah. she didn't drown. You said there was only a foot and a half of water, but that's well, enough to drown if you are unconscious. Well, her head was laying kind of on some bricks that had fell from the side of the cistern. Okay, it was bricked all the way down, all the way around, mm-hmm. and then all the way back to where it was to the top. Say the main opening probably wasn't a diameter of four feet, and the bottom was probably ten feet. So the the top had been bricked all the way around and down in. I don't know how they did that kind of brickwork and did that good stuff back in those days, but I think they used those cisterns mostly for water to use, not drink, because it couldn't have been sanitary, you know. So I know when they started filling them up, they'd just throw junk or anything in the house. So you finally filled them up when people I was could use them. Ask you, Jerry, what what is the difference between a cistern and a well? Well, a cistern was mo- mostly something that catches rainwater. Okay. And uh, a lot of people down in Louisiana, they 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 didn't dig them in the ground, but they had beside their house, and they would catch the rainwater on the roof, and the water would run down the drain and then run into the cistern, which I still call it a cistern. Even though it was more looked more like a water tank up about four feet off the ground, you know. But they they caught their water that way and and people in the hill country, they could catch their water that uh, running off of a house and run the pipe to the cistern and keep the cistern full of water that you could throw a bucket in and use for odd chores and other things like that around the around the house, the farm or the garden or whatever, you know. So that's, and then if a whale, obviously, you know, and that kind of brings me to mind. I'm not going to get off a of punchline, but we, we, on our farm, my daddy's farm in Tacopola, uh, we must have had a heck of a good aquifer underneath the ground, but we dug a good many whales. And I know when I was a young boy, we would dig whales and then we would put those, um, uh, gosh, what was those things called? They were, they weren't that big. You put a, a bucket in them and dropped them. But you, then you'd fill dirt back around, but you had to go down till you hit water. We had a, a one of the heifers, the bank caved in on him, and it covered his head and everything up. But two of the men on top jumped in immediately and dug it out with their hands, you know. And I've heard of people actually smothering digging wells like that, you know, in the old in the 50s and the 40s and the 30s. I'm thinking 50s were the one I'm talking about. That's old enough. But uh, I'm sure it's still, anyway, still a dangerous business to dig wells in 2018. Sure is. Sure is. And sure was. So, yeah, uh, the punchline then, uh, unfortunately, was that uh, uh, I got home at night. And, After being and, a hero, uh, you got home to your, yeah, your and, beautiful uh, wife. And yeah, and I told her after after she checked me for ticks at the back door, I didn't have any ticks, and she missed what if I had anything, she missed it. So I um, we came in and we watched um, the news, and they had that you know what, what had happened about that woman, and and the reporter said that you know tried to talk to somebody, but nobody was around. Some. Some man had went down there and pulled her out, and that's all they said. So I said, boy, I guess I dodged that one. And, uh, so you didn't tell your wife what you had done? 
No, I told her what I'd done. I just didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want a big deal made out of going down in there and getting there. It was just, it was just a thing to do. Oh, yeah, no big deal. Uh, diving down on a rope uh, 20-something feet to save a woman who probably was going to die if you didn't help her. That's, that's no big deal. Well, you know, for a young guy. But but, but anyway, um, we watched that, and then uh, it may have been the next day. It could have been two days later. Oh, so I'm shaving in front of the mirror in the in the in the uh, master bathroom, and I'm shaving, and all of a sudden, my wife is slapping the back of my head, and uh, it, you know, not like slapping to hurt me, but slapping something off of my like a like a yellow jacket was on my head or something, you know. Mm. And I'm saying, "What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?" She says, what is this on here? And uh, then she got tweezers out. And she pulled the thing out. And she said, look at this big thing. This is not a tick. And it's getting blood. It's a blood sucker. And I said, I know. And then she grabs out the Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, we didn't have all this high-tech stuff then. No, you didn't. And, and then she says, wait a minute. This thing, is this not it right here? And I said, well, it looks kind of like it. And uh, I said, what is that? And she said, it says it's a sucking louse crab. <laughs> and it feeds off of blood. And it can't live off of a human parasite uh, hardly uh, any time at all. It needs the warmth and it needs, it needs the blood. And she said, where did you get this? And... Uh, then it goes on and it gets into more uh, stuff that I really can't <laughs> say on the radio. The kind of hair that it should have been in and what just normally wouldn't have been in a your hair on your head or the hair on your leg or the hair on your arm, maybe. But anyway, um, I had the hardest time convincing my wife that that crab was legitimate and come out of that dang cistern. But uh, so if you ever go down in a cistern, John, okay, to get anybody out of a cistern or for any other, well, I say to get anybody out, check yourself out for real good. <laughs> not and, only for uh, ticks, but crabs too. Yeah, because the odds are it's not going to be any ticks down there. Uh. But the odds are that the crab deal could be there if you're saving uh, somebody that probably fell in a place like that you know so wow. anyway that's i, I knew that's there had to be some connection between you and what what happened all the way over in thailand with a cave something similar would be in the jerry short short stories well i'm glad we got to hear all about the Carrollton crab tale but there's more from jerry after this break come back as we wrap up this monday edition of y'all with short stories As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. 
clear. Most people just hear an engine. We hear a 6.2-liter Hemi V8 with a supercharger that accelerates so fast, it'll suck the air out of your lungs and knock you back in your seat like you're an astronaut in a rocket ship hurtling through the stratosphere. But then again, we're not most people. We're the Brotherhood of Muscle. Dodge. Domestic. Not domesticated. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Hi, Tom Bodette, coming to you from one of those open offices. They're designed to make it easier to share ideas and, apparently, the details of Cody the intern's love life. So if you're looking for some space to call your own, try Motel 6. They have the low prices you've come to expect, plus the peace and quiet you so desperately crave. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. And Cody, you can do better. Book online at motel6.com. Hey, this is Shaq. When I was playing ball, our team doctors helped me overcome pain with something called TENS therapy. And Icy Hot Smart Relief is that same kind of therapy. You just push a button and whoosh. Smart Relief sends waves of relaxing pulses that immediately start blocking pain. Back, hip, knee, or shoulder pain. Even works for hours after you turn it off. Man, this Smart Relief so smart, they should call it Shaq Relief. Ooh, I like that one. Somebody write that down for me. Turn on Smart Relief and turn off pain. Get my lawyer on the phone. You need to patent that. Use only as directed. And welcome back to Y'all, the show where we talk Southern stories and more. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. I'm John Rawl, now joined by Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Chacapola. And we just heard a, a true story all about his time in Carrollton, Mississippi, going down a cistern, a very deep cistern to save the life of someone many years ago, put his special forces training to use. And I guess if you're ever going to fall down a cistern, make sure you do it when there's a guy in the special forces happen to be cruising through town. <laughs> no, make sure it's not me. Okay. Old, retired people. Okay. Uh, I think I'm retired. I think that. they got pretty lucky when you just happened to be uh, cruising town many years ago. But, Jerry, we want to talk to you a little bit more, and I think you wanted to mention a little bit more about this town in North Mississippi yeah. called Carrollton because it actually has some famous lineage there. Yeah, I could. Uh, you know, I always liked Carrollton because it was – and it, it was always a movie going on there, and I was able to stop by and watch them film a movie and see some of those stars from Hollywood. But, uh, you know, one of the people that you would least expect, and I've never really heard him even hardly mention it, is uh, Senator McCain. That is where Senator McCain's great-grandfather Owned a plantation there. We're talking John McCain of Arizona. John McCain of Arizona, his great grandfather, lived in Carrollton between Carrollton and Greenwood. His plantation was, and he was from that area. And there's a museum in that town, the McCain Museum. And uh, I think his granddaddy has even put some bullet holes in the wall for some reason in that building. It, it's an old pre-Civil War building, also, but. Uh, they uh, um, they've got a lot of a lot of memorabilia of the McCain family in it, and but for some reason, Senator McCain he never connected the Confederacy 
and his great great granddaddy, even though he had a plantation, and even though he owned, uh, you know, he you know he was he probably had slaves, and he never put any of that together, and you know he did the uh, he did the uh, uh, deal at Ole Miss when they had the debate, and that never came up. Yeah, in 2000, 2008, when John McCain ran for president against Barack Obama, they right. had the first presidential debate on the campus of Ole Miss, which is actually, I believe, where his grandfather went to college. His grandfather did go to college there. And then when the war broke out, he joined the cavalry unit. And he was actually killed as a cavalry officer. You're talking about in the Civil War? The Civil War. Okay, that That's would have right. been like his great-grandfather, you said? That would have been his great, you know. You know, the, and then I don't know where they branched off and all become naval, but uh, obviously, if you was in a cavalry unit in the Confederacy in the War of Northern Aggression, you uh, probably didn't have any connection with the Navy. But um, somehow they become naval, and that's where, you know, the rest of the three went, the granddaddy and, and the daddy and and Senator McCain. So, uh, but it's, it's a good bit of stuff. And if you're ever in that town, they don't keep, very few people actually go to the museum. Local people really, they don't, he's not one of the favorites, uh, sons of, uh, Carrollton. John McCain is not. So you'd have to have a person open that, uh, museum up for you if you wanted to go in and see any of the stuff. And uh, at one time, I think there was more stuff even that his granddaddy had that they removed from there. Really? And you talking yeah. about McCain family had it? McCain removed? family did, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've been told that they came and removed some. He had a he had a cousin that wrote a book that pertained to all that and pertained to the plantation. And I don't think John. Uh, he says he kind of glanced over the book. He doesn't. He doesn't understand. He doesn't realize why it, it never hit a hit a bell with him. Uh, the consequences of owning a plantation and being a, in the Civil War. And he said, "I knew we were in the Civil War," but he never mentioned Confederate side. You know. Really. And uh, he just he, he just dodges. He just jumps around that. But anyway, if you're in Carrollton, it's an old town. You've actually, if you go to Carrollton, and I. I've noticed too that their population has dropped almost in half since uh, the 2000 census to the 2010 census. They actually now it's a North Carrollton and a Carrollton. Really? The only thing dividing it is the big Sandy Creek. It runs between them, hmm. and North Carrollton is on uh, the other side, and. Uh, and that's uh, and then Carrollton is the old, old timey Carrollton, old town Carrollton. But uh, you know, the, sometime we'll have time. We'll go over a bunch of movies because yeah. Well, let's you know, uh, let's go ahead and talk because I know the experience you had saving the woman out of the cistern should be a movie. Unfortunately, they haven't turned that into <laughs> a movie quite yet. But you that's have true. been spotted in Carrollton through the decades at movies being filmed in this town in Mississippi. Tell me about your experience with the movies in Carrollton, Mississippi. Well, excuse me, I got to know Steve McQueen just on, hey, how you doing, and okay, and how's it going, you know, when I'd see him. 
he did the Reavers there, and uh, that was about a 1968 movie. And uh, he, um, my wife, when they finished filming filming the Reavers, they filmed it. Uh, they stayed actually in Greenwood, and uh, they wanted to stay in Grenada. Grenada's a little closer to where the filming was taking place, but Grenada was a dry county then. <clears throat> so they went to Greenwood where they could have alcohol. Alcohol, excuse me. I, I let that taco polo loose, didn't I? Yes, and, sir. Uh, but, but, but anyway, when they finished up, uh, the director, his name was uh, Randall. Uh, gosh, did, I should know his whole name. Anyway, he told me that they was going to have a big party. And uh, if we wanted to swing by, we could see the actors as they come out and left. Because they was having it at the ballroom at the Holiday Inn in Greenwood, so, you know, another couple and my wife and I went over and Steve, that's before he married Allie McGraw, he came out and he was, he, they was going to their room and, and you could tell they was propped up on each other, they'd been drinking pretty heavy and, and he looked up and he said, hey, bud, like he recognized me, but bud's all he got and, uh, and my wife said, oh, Steve, Mr. McQueen, can you sign on my, she had a, a photo and she said, can you please sign on here to Peggy from Steve McQueen? And he looked at her and he said, babe, babe, you mind? I don't think I can get all that. Can I just put Steve? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Steve McQueen wrote Steve on that. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure... I'm sure she still got that photo. She don't. I'd like to have it. Yeah. But it's it's got Steve. It was her high school graduation picture, I think, having to be in her purse. <clears throat> and he, Wait, he she, she gave him a picture of herself. Well, that's what she happened to have for him to sign. He got desperately looking for something to sign, you know. Uh, okay. And uh, she reached in her purse, and that was one of the pictures was still in her purse. Guess it had been in there. That was in 68, and she hadn't graduated from high school for three years. Right. So, you know, it's time flies, but it, it uh, flies sometimes the wrong direction, I think. But anyway, he, he wrote Steve on it, and, and I thought that was pretty neat. And uh, I know she kept that for a long time. And uh, at last, we were married 21 years, and I know she still had it when when was oh, when we were divorced. Yeah, it's but, hard for us regular fellows to compete with the Hollywood stars out there when it comes to women. They they just Yeah, I know. You know, it was not right. that way. It was that way when I had to get Elvis to sign one for. Really? And all, you know. I'll tell stories about all these pillars. You won't believe it. I've met it so many people. It's just uh unbelievable and, and they would they used to just make movies constantly in Mississippi and, and they don't do it anymore. And uh uh, Louisiana has kind of taken that over with tax rate deductions and stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think Mississippi got a real good sound studio in Jackson that they built for that, you know, and they want to film movies in Oxford every now and then, but Oxford won't let them shut, uh, commerce down. Yeah. Well, we, know, we see Georgia gets a lot of movies and. North Carolina historically has had lots of movies. Louisiana has made a push for for a lot of movie filming, and other states just kind of fight for what they can get. 
Before we get out of here today with you, Jerry, I know there was a movie filmed in the 70s that is a cult, I won't say classic, but it is overseas. Yeah. It's uh, called Nightmare in Batham County, and you happen right. to be there for that. Your car was in that movie. Can you briefly tell us about getting to meet the star of that movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, Deborah Raff, man, she was, she was really cool, but here's the, here's the guy that, uh, the rifleman who was Mr. Chuck Connors. Uh huh. And, um, he played a sheriff in this movie, a dirty sheriff, a mean sheriff. And in the movie, they and, don't, uh, they don't tell you what state that Batham County is in, but it was filmed in Carrollton, Mississippi. It was all, the whole thing, every bit of it was filmed. Coming up the bluff from the Delta, when they come in, ex except I think they drive across the bridge, across the uh, Yazoo River, downtown Greenwood. Yeah. And then uh, they come down, like they usually do, they come down Grand Boulevard, and then they come to Carrollton. But anyway, every bit of it was filmed in Carrollton. And it, we didn't, you know, today it would be a few X-rated uh, put on it. Then we thought it was just a regular, you know, good movie, just a good family movie, I guess. But the night, I had a little small speaking part and just, hey, there he goes. And it's when these girls break out of jail and Chuck Connors goes after him. But we were in a, uh, it was actually a radio shop. It converted into a cafe on the corner so they could have the getaway. And me and my wife was in there between scenes and she wanted to, uh, autograph from Chuck Connors. So Chuck Connors, he, uh, that son of a gun, when he asked, she said, uh, aren't you Chuck Connors? I don't know why she said that. You know, I would, I'd been talking to him just before that. He had kind of a familiar, uh, unforgettable face, I should say. Yeah. And he's about seven foot tall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I saw him at the Midwest Fair when I was, in high school, you know, we would go up there for uh, FFA Day or something. That you know? was in Memphis. Future Farmers of America Day. And uh, he he was there, and he was there with Anita Bryant. But let me quit jumping around. But uh, anyway, she said, aren't you Chuck Connors? And he said, uh, yeah, honey. The last time I checked, I was. I was Chuck Connors. <laughs> and... Uh, and he said, she said, can I get your autograph? And I wouldn't even have got it, you know, but she got his autograph. And, uh, but before that, I'd ask him, I said, you know, I saw you at the Mid-South Fair, like in 1963. And this would have been like 76. That's when that was filmed. Six or seven or something, you know, six, I guess. And, uh, uh, I said, you was with, uh, and I, uh, the name didn't come to me, Anita Bryan, immediately. You know, she's a former Miss America from Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and she was the orange. She represented Florida. She has the orange queen, you know, all the commercials about oranges. Right. And uh, anyway, he said, oh, yeah, that darn old slut that really? I was. Yeah. And I said, I like Anita Bryant. He said, well, I don't care nothing about her. And uh, so I found out she was, he went to Russia a lot for uh armor uh products for some reason chuck did but anyway um during the cold war yeah mm, he was he was whoever owned armor products oh okay armor not not like for making yeah, tanks yeah not the army <laughs> but yeah armor products okay he 
he was connected some kind of way that way and he would make trips to russia but in, anyway uh the uh uh situation with anita bryant i thought she was just tremendous and she come out uh against uh maybe abortion and florida dropped her as their spokesperson, spokesperson for oranges mm-hmm. yeah and you know and i don't know if that had him upset or what but i always thought she was a really cool person but uh you know that was one of the scenes there and and you know i could go on about watching a bunch of the scenes and you know i i one day we'll get into all these actors and actresses that i've met because sometimes they're not what you think and sometimes they're better yeah well right now we've just covered all of carroll county mississippi with you so i think that's a pretty good start don't you think I think so. We'll get uh, <laughs> we'll get around to one of these days, John. I'll get around to telling you about when I shook hands with uh, my childhood sweetheart Natalie Wood. That I also saw film in this property is condemned at base, St. Louis, Mississippi. Huh. But uh, anyway, it, her husband had a hand like a wet noodle, and I'll I'll explain that someday. Wow! Can't wait for <laughs> that one. Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola, thanks again for your latest installment, sir, and have a great rest of your week. And you too, and I can't wait to see you next week. All right. That fills up the hour right there, getting all the tales from Takapola away on the Y'all Show. Well, that'll put a wrap on today's Y'all Show. Again, want to thank Jerry for coming on. Also want to thank our business report guest in the first hour on Tuesday's Y'all Show. We're going to talk about Southern politics. We've got a Supreme Court announcement tonight. We'll recap what that was and get our Southern perspective on that on the Tuesday edition of Y'all. Plus, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue is going to be back on with us, Matt Hermans, and we'll get the latest grilling tips plus some of his great dives that he's discovered across Dixie. That's all on the Tuesday edition of Y'all. Until that time, have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to Y'all with John Rawl. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. (sighs) Moving expenses. There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. 
you need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes for you to choose the font for the tattoo of your girlfriend's name, Tara. Uh, the swirly one. Begin tattooing and get a breakup text from Tara as you finish the last day. Can you make it Terra-dactyl or something? To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 tattoo minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.